Welcome to Inside the Lab at Formula 4 Media. I'm Emily Walzer. Today we're speaking with Scott McGuire, president of the Mountain Lab, a brand and strategy development company located in Mammoth Lakes, California. Good afternoon, Scott. Emily, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be with you and look forward to a good conversation. Uh, let's start things off by talking generally. Uh, please provide some background about the urbanization trend we're seeing in outdoor and how and why this trend evolved and maybe give some factors driving this trend forward in 2016. I think there's a few things when we look back to the urbanization trend. We know now that 85% roughly of the American population is going to move from rural and suburban communities more into an urban environment. Uh, you have a couple of things that are then going to affect how that uh, the outdoor business. You know, starting in maybe the early 2010, we started to see some of the fashion companies start to co-opt some of the the looks and the aesthetics that were coming out of outdoor. So as fashion started to look to outdoor as a trend, that started to push it into more of con more consumers' awareness. So your urban consumers that look more towards your fashion magazines are going to start to see some more awareness of looks that appeal to outdoor. I think you couple that with having the consumer who's more likely to live in that urban environment is more likely to live in a tech world, they're more likely to live in a highly organized world, and that there's a psychographic that happens where that person starts to seek a natural experience but that person that's looking for that natural experience doesn't want to let go of a style or aesthetic that they've developed in their urban life. So they might be comfortable with their technology, they might be comfortable with their urban lifestyle, they might be comfortable with fashion, but they want to have outdoor experiences and they want that product to be able to work in those outdoor experiences. So what you end up with is a large consumer base that's looking for products that have an urban style with an outdoor function. And that, I think, is really what's been driving this trend that way. It's come slowly from the outdoor brands responding to the demand, but it's also happened with action sports brands, surf skate brands, and some of the fashion brands also very quickly encroaching in space that was traditional outdoor. That's actually very interesting what you were saying about the, the urban consumer um, kind of craving nature in a way. I've heard that more and more recently. Um, I'm wondering if we'd like to just investigate that a little bit more by the popularity of Venture Out, uh, which is this new and thriving venue and outdoor retailer. Uh, that seems to have really resonated with folks here and in the urban setting, not just uh, young companies coming up, but sort of how some of the other companies like uh, Adidas Y3 and Nike ACG, as well as core brands, are sort of approaching this urban trend. Could you talk about maybe some of those companies and what you're seeing, how they are going after the urban um, outdoor experience? Sure. So a couple of things I think that have happened is that traditional outdoor relied on people being myopically identified to a single activity. And people would self-identify as being a climber or a kayaker or a skier. And then we had other places where someone was a fashionista or someone else was a surfer. So you had these different camps and these silos existed for decades where people lived only in one or the other. What's happened now is that you have a little bit more homogenization. You have a generation that's coming about where they are comfortable being able to move between those. And instead of moving from one silo to the next, they just expect the silo walls to come down. That urban customer expects to be able to move backwards and forwards with fluidity between that different spaces. So instead of saying, I am a climber, I am a kayaker, that person has a more of an experience-based mindset. I, I do kayak. But I also skate, and I may also surf, and I also want to do yoga, and I also care about how I look and how that's presented. So that's something that we're going to see in that urbanization space. 
when we talk about venture out and how that's shown up at outdoor retailer, what we've seen is those are brands that traditionally, if they were in the conventional part of the outdoor retailer show, it's likely they'd get lost. They'd be surrounded by more of the conventional brands. And so the concept of venture out was to have a space where those brands could be around like-minded peers so that their energy would be more focused, if you will. You know, if you think about if you take... um, Think about foreign language, right? If you have one person in the room speaking a language that no one else is speaking around them, it sounds odd. When you have a person in the room that, you know, if you have 30 people in the same room all speaking French, you know you're in the French part of of the village, right? You've kind of got that. So that was the idea is if you have a lot of people that are speaking a very common language, put them together, even if it's a different or slightly adjacent language from the rest of the organization, people get to then understand, like, oh, I'll stay here. It's not an oddity. It's not a Mm one-off. It's a community, and I want to explore that community, and that's that's what's been happening. Well, it certainly has been very successful, and and, uh, we hopefully that will continue to thrive and grow at outdoor retail and and maybe take on more of a, a, a life elsewhere as well. Um, but I think it's a good time now to maybe focus on what you do and, and your company and maybe also talk a little bit about what's on your agenda for the year ahead, um, any brands that you're working with you're particularly excited about or project you know, development things on your drawing board. Tell us a little bit more about the Mountain Lab and, and what you, your vision for your company is. Uh, in marketing speak, I'd say that we're a brand strategy organization. In the non-marketing <laughs> speak, I'd say we're fixers. We tend to end up working with organizations that... Uh, I often joke that consultants don't get called when things are going well. They usually get called because something bad has happened and they don't know how to fix it. Uh, and so our role is to be able to work with these partner companies to be able to help them find solutions to problems they've been able to identify, but they haven't been able to find a clear path to a solution on their own. So the Mountain Lab with our team and our resources help them find that pathway. And there's several different avenues to go, whether it's uh, how we work internally, whether it's on strategy only, if we actually help them carry all the way through to the sourcing execution, there's there's different ways to be able to do that. But in general, we have a, an engagement that allows us to help these brands start to get to a place where they want to be, that they know is possible, but they don't, write, don't quite know how to get there. I started the Mountain Lab a little over four years ago, and I had been in smaller startup companies, I'd been in bigger companies, I'd been in giant public companies, and I really missed that... That, that mindset of multiple hats, of a jack-of-all-trades that has to happen when you're an entrepreneur. And so there's a scrappiness in that entrepreneurial space that I really loved. But there was also a, a sense of when you work in the larger organizations, there's a tremendous amount of knowledge that you get exposed to that a lot of the, the younger companies, you know, if you're a nascent brand, you don't get to think like a $500 million, billion dollar company. And so my goal was to be able to, how do you take that thought process, that good best practices of the billion dollar organization and be able to apply it to this new brand that might not have that exposure? You know, when we talk about where we're at today, you know, if I was to go back to the self-identification, I was a dirtbag. You know, I, I came into this industry as a tech rep and I lived in my van and I got to do all those things. Things that have really struck me and what I'm the most excited about is what's the industry going to look like in five or 10 years? And my belief is that the industry is not going to look like a bunch of middle-aged white guys that have classic stories about living in their van like I do. Um, you know, our future has to be diverse. Our future has to be younger. Our future has to get rid of some of the old paradigms and let the next generation steer that. And I'm most excited about how that's happening. And I, we're seeing that. We're seeing that more and more. Um, I met with Christian Beckwith this morning from Shift, the organization up in uh, Jackson. Really you know, forward-thinking collection of people there's uh, brands that are doing advertising and talking about it. Uh, you know, if I think about watching North Face's ad this last year where they were the 
first time instead of their whole ad being about aspirational on a peak it was people sitting around a campfire and jumping off of bridges we are seeing this shift in mindset where it's less and less about just what is core outdoor and it's being much more inclusive we see those threads go through traditional organizations out into the NGOs as people have more and more conversation I'm, I'm really interested to see in the next year how that actually coalesces into real drive out of the Outdoor Industry Association, out of the big leaders to be able to steer towards solutions of what are the two or three things we have to do to make that happen. We've been talking about it for a long time. There's starting to be some action and some mental shift that opens those doors. But as an industry, we don't yet have a very clear, concise, these are the two or three things that must happen now to make this happen. And I think in the next year, maybe 18 months, we're going to see that coalesce and we're going to see real action steps out of the leaders in the industry and out of the, out of the industry itself to be more inclusive and to bring more people in and to help make that change. Well, certainly community is a big buzzword here. People are talking more about community and, and collaboration and partnerships and, and things like that. But another big buzzword I've been hearing a lot about is storytelling. We want to hear a story. We want to know your brand's story. That seems to be millennials or that generation really likes to know that. They like to know the heritage. Can you talk a little bit about branding and story, the importance of storytelling and how maybe that will help propel things forward in, in terms of marketing strategies or different strategies for companies, if you think that that is an important buzzword in the industry now? Absolutely. So the, the idea of storytelling, I think, is that someone's going to tell your brand story. They're going to define your brand by how it's described to the public. In the past, you used to be able to buy an ad man, put together a canned package. That went out you know, in the, uh, in the democratization coming about from the Internet of all things and the Wikipedia mindset. People can research their brand and they can come to their own conclusions without the brand itself being in control. So the brand has to be fully engaged in how it tells its brand story. Uh, the other term that I would reference would be belief-based marketing. You know, if there's a, a great TED Talk from Simon Sinek called Start With Why that I think a lot of people have probably seen now that, you know, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. That's his quote from the talk. There's a whole generation now that no longer accepts the fact that you can say, you know, here's a product with B feature that fall, that's, sits in C space. That, that equation no longer functions. People want to be able to say, who am I buying? Why am I buying it? What is this going to do for me? What does this brand say about me? And, and does what that brand say about me align with my own goals? Mm -hmm. And the storytelling aspect is getting that person to then say, you know what? You used to say, I, would, I will buy that Gore-Tex jacket from that brand because it's that price point with those features for me. That worked for generations. Yes. It's not going to work in the future. Someone's going to say, I like what that brand stands for. And so if I'm going to put the badge of that brand on the badge of me, keep in mind that what's happened with social media is that everyone has their own brand now. Yeah. When someone, they're, 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 they're creating branded. their own brand. They're saying, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And so it's almost like you, a brand has to earn the right to be on the billboard of their customer. And that mindset is where the storytelling comes in because brands have to be able to execute really carefully what this stands for. And when brands make mistakes, which they all do, they have to correct that story in a way that feels genuine. If someone feels like they're trying to sweep something under the rug, well, all the is that right. that bubble gets burst. You can fix it, but how you fix it and with what level of legitimacy so that consumer feels that level of trust is really, really, really important. And I think that's going to change dramatically how we market product for years. And you know, uh, we did a panel here in Venture Out yesterday that 
touched on this a little bit. You know, look at what's happened within the blogging community. Uh, you, uh, you look at people that used to function on primarily gear reviews, right? They're, they're blogs that all they did was write gear reviews. And now, you know, some of those bloggers are saying, look, 25% of our business is the backbone. Mm-hmm. That's actually an exact quote from Stephen yesterday. The uh, 75% has to be content about the brands and about what's going on in the industry so people get engaged. You can't just simply say, this is the best gear, go buy it. People want a lot more. There has to be more meat on that bone. Right. And without it, without that storytelling, brands aren't going to be able to move forward. I'm going to continue on the theme of change for one more thing in terms of the industry. And one area people have been talking about is the meaningfulness of trade shows and the change going on in trade shows. And with younger brands coming up, it's, it, are trade shows still relevant? Do you deal with any of your, when you're fixing problems, those questions of how to show your product, when to introduce your product, what is the um, best way to do that online, any of those things that seems how you bring a product to market now and brand. Is a trade show still an important part of that process? Phenomenal question. There's definitely been a lot of conversation. Uh, you know, It's been a conversation for years, but I'd say there's been a heightened question about that over the last couple of years. You've mentioned community before, and I think that's one of the things that has been very unique in the outdoor space is that our trade show has for a long time not been a transaction mindset. It's been a community mindset. And I think that um, you know, as, as dates have moved or whether you write paper or not, all these other questions, at the end of the day, there has to be a place where people congregate. They have to be able to get together and have that sense of community so that we're not divergent. We're not individual businesses. Remember, the one thing that's beautiful about the outdoor industry is it's one of the few places where the leaders in the industry and the new guys all hang out. You know, CES is the same weekend. I'm going to suspect that Sony is probably not hanging out with Samsung doing shots at a bar with a brand new upstart that may eat their lunch in 10 years. That happens here. And, and that's something that makes this place special. That's what makes this, this being in this space very unique. So in that regard, I think that that trade show part is very, very valuable because you can't experience that on your own. Now, I think that there are challenges around that when you have regional buying shows and you have the challenge of when you're going to move and you have a hard goods timeline that's completely different from a soft goods timeline. Those are all the logistical sides of it. But to your question, are, are trade shows still relevant? Yes, because it's the only way to get all of the parties that are interested in one place when you gather your tribe. And there is something there that is, uh, I would say, uh, it's something that needs to happen. You know, it's like a, it's like the harvest festival at the end of the year to celebrate that that shift in time. That that's what the trade show and that gathering of community does is it's that resurgence of like, all right, here we go. And you know, it can be the, here we are together bemoaning the fact that it's warm and there's no snow in the east, but we've done that together. And there's a, you know, something cathartic about being able to bemoan that together versus you know, suffering on your own and to learn from your other peers about how they're doing that, whether you're a brand or a retailer, or to celebrate the high fives like, oh, this is great. You know, there's tons of snow here. We're doing this. Um, it's interesting being at this show that the divide of those of us from the Sierras that are high fiving with friends from New England and are like, uh-huh. but that's a that's a unique that's a unique thing that you have to be able to maintain. I'm going to ask um, one final question here. We talked earlier about sort of a younger generation coming up here. I've noticed that more and more. Are you feeling the outdoor industry is sort of in a time of transition, a little bit of a new guard coming in, a little bit of a changing of the guard here, a bubbling up of, of newness? Do you feel optimistic about the growth in the outdoor industry? I'm, I do. I think that there's uh, change is always painful. 
So going through periods of transition aren't necessarily easy. Um, but in general, I would say that we, the outdoor industry, more often than not, has leadership that is willing to let the next generation make their own mistakes and step up to the plate and in many ways is advocating for that. Um, we don't tend to have a lot of protectionist, no way, you know, not until I'm one foot in the grave are you going to be able to lead the company. We don't necessarily suffer from that the way some other industries do. And so I do feel like in general the organizations it, at all levels of management, from the highest of senior management that are trying to bring in the next tier, all the way down to middle and younger managers who just want their, their one report to be able to move into their position, we have a level of comfort with that. With that, there's an embracing of new ideas that's going to be a dramatic shift. I think there's always a tension most of the time where the generation above tends to want to move at a slower pace than the generation below, and that's been consistent generation after generation. But that change will happen, and it will happen quicker than one generation is ready and slower than the other one wants. But it will it will be there, and in five to ten years, the people that are leading organizations to now won't be the same ones. There'll be a different group that's there, and they're going to have a different execution. At the end of the day, I would say that the, the generation that's in charge now, or the leadership center, the one thing that they have to do is they have to help protect the values, and they have to make sure that the values of why we do what we do is set. And then the next group will come with their own solutions. You know, at the end of the day, if, if you and I want to go on a road trip from Salt Lake to New York, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter how we get there, as long as we both agree that New York's the destination. All right. You want to fly, I want to drive. We're still going to end up in New York. Right? We might debate the merit. As long as we all agree where the industry wants to go and what the industry stands for, we should let each person that's participating help craft their own path to get there. We just have to be very aligned on what that end destination looks like. And I feel like that's, going back to the earlier part, that's where I think the next 18 months is going to be really exciting mm -hmm. because the industry is really going to know this is what that vision looks like. This is what that destination and success is going to look like and feel like so that the next group can come in and say, we agree with you, we're on board, but let us drive the ship to get there. Well, Scott, thank you very, very much. You've been listening to Inside the Lab podcast at Formula 4 Media. This is Emily Walzer. <laughs>